Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now save $30 on the American-made steel FS56 RCE trimmer. Real steel. The FS56 RCE is made in America of U.S. and global materials. Offer valid through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Oh, man. If you want to talk college football, we got legends for you. Urban's nice enough to come on our show. I, I'm going to say it right up front. I, I hate bothering you. I, you know what? I, I do, but it's our first Friday show. We've been going Monday through Thursday, and we got to make a splash, big boy. And you're the biggest splash in college football. Three-time national champ, best broadcaster there is. If you're getting up on Saturdays, you got to watch Big Noon uh, football, and you got to watch Urban Meyer's segment live, ladies and gentlemen, from Austin. Hey, uh, you played Austin Country Club. I know the pickleball game is great. You're moving up the national rankings. Where are we at in the seniors tour? Uh, bad knee, uh, sore back, and <laughs> just enjoy playing. I, I've become addicted to that darn sport. It's a great sport. I know you and uh, you and uh, Mrs. Dockage really enjoy it. Yeah, we play in our cul-de-sac. She put she put a court out there, and then we got to stop when cars come through. So we yell "car," you know, like when you're a little kid, you know. And she kicks so my back. Hey, what's did that? Did you paint or did you paint or did you tape the uh, the driveway? Uh, top of our hill, cul-de-sac. She went out there and chalked it down and and measured everything exactly. You know, and then uh, I can't compete just yet, but I'm going to. Hey, I'm going to go through something with you. You and I had an interesting conversation, and people talk about coaching, and coaching matters. I mean, what you did at Bowling Green, then at Utah and Florida, and, of course, at Ohio State has resonated at all of those places really long after you were gone. Coaching matters big time, but players matter as well. And, Urban, there is a monster difference over the course of the last, let's just go back 10, 12 years in the players at Alabama relative to the players at Texas. No? Well, absolutely. And, and we're going to talk about that a little bit on Big Noon. Um, you know, 10 years ago, I believe it was uh, uh, the national championship game, Texas versus Alabama. And Colt McCoy in Texas and Mac Brown was at the – height of their career. I believe they won the championship in 2005 with Mac. And then they're back in it a couple of years later. And they're, you know, this is the best high school football in America right here in Texas. So one of the top two, three states. I used to love coming down here recruit. The high school coaching in the state of Texas is as good as anywhere in America. The fans love it. There's 20,000 plus at games. The high school coaches have these big stabs. So you are, I mean, you, you stumble upon players here and so when you evaluate texas and alabama uh, it's easy to start throwing blame all over the place but alabama has gone on to win a bunch of national titles and, and texas has, has struggled a bit and texas is is as good a place as there is so you have to you know the big question i think we all have to ask is why and it is a player's game and recruiting rankings we went through that in great detail no one's recruited better than alabama uh, however, Texas wasn't bad. I think their average ranking over the last 10 years is nine. 
Alabama's is 1.7. So there is a difference, but not that, you know, still nine's pretty good. But then when you look, and I used to tell our staff this, Doc, when we talked about this, I used to say the real evaluation, recruiting rankings are very important. And for coaches, for people who say it's not important if they're not being honest with you, recruiting rankings are very important. However, the real rankings, and it's really evaluation friendly, it's called the NFL draft. And how you, what you do when those players walk on your campus to when they leave, and that's the, that's the beauty of a, a culture, of a team, of an army of people, from nutritionists to strength coaches to assistant coaches to quality control people and the culture within your organization. Are you maximizing that player so they can someday have their name called the NFL draft? Texas, just mark this down, Texas in three years, if the NFL draft is the way it used to be at Texas, I bet you they won their conference. If they did it, you know, we got a, we got a problem. Herman, we, I went back and looked, uh, to your point, in 2021, Alabama had six first-round picks. In 2022, Alabama had two first-round picks. Since 2013, Texas has had a total, total since 2013, of two first-round picks. That's it. Total as opposed to last year, probably a down year for Alabama with two year before six. That matters. I don't care what anybody says. That, Doc, that's the – other than winning, that is the number one way to evaluate your organization. It's, it's called the – I, you know, for years, you, the staff meetings at times weren't comfortable because it's – if you're coaching the corners and you're at a place at Ohio State, Texas, or Alabama, and you don't have players being drafted, we got to really evaluate why. You know, you can't don't, – don't blame players. Don't sit there and say, well, he's not good enough. Wait a minute now. Of course he's good enough. Are we developing them in practice? Are we developing them in the weight room? Are we, you know, if you if you want to be 186 pounds, that's the nutrition, you know, work with the nutritionist and get him to 106 pounds, 186 pounds. If he has hamstring issues, you know, whatever, it's a team effort. And I was fortunate, you know, I just, I talked about our corners. I had a guy named Kerry Combs, was my secondary coach. I think we went seven straight years with first round draft picks at corner. And I would use him as an example on our staff all the time. You know, here's a guy that not only recruits well, but look what he does when they get on campus. These players, again, you know, they're multimillionaires because of, we had a position coach that was as good a coach as I've ever been around. And it was easy to evaluate. You know, I might say that. But uh, the data, which is the NFL draft, supported that. Why do you think Texas hasn't been successful recruiting well, based on this evaluation? I don't, I don't know. I, I don't, you know, I've not done a deep enough dive, but. You know, you got a guy in Steve Sarkeesian. He's recruiting his tail off right now. He's been exposed to, you know, arguably the top organization in, in college football, Alabama, for several years. Um, you know, I, I think he, you know, I don't know enough about it, uh, but I'm sure he's gone in and kind of rearranged the whole organization as far as a player, a player centric, which means that everything focuses on the player. You know, they need this, get them that. If they need, uh, things to make sure they're staying healthy, get them that, whatever it takes. You know, there should be no budget on health and safety and development of a player. All right, I'm going to go back to a conversation that you and I had, you probably don't remember, but you were 
I was at home. We had just won a game. You called me. Florida was recruiting you to come. Notre Dame was recruiting you to come. I think you actually, again, this could be wrong, but this is my memory. You were, I think, picked up in a plane by Florida in the morning, offered, then you went to Notre Dame somehow, and and you made this comment to me. I go, well, what do you think? You go, you know what, Dan, I can... I can recruit within two or three hours at Florida and get the best team in the country. You know, Notre Dame, I got to go fly, spend a week in California or Texas, whatever. So my point here is this, or my question here is this. Alabama, I know you can get the best players in Alabama, but is that good enough to win you a national championship? You've got to go other places. Texas, it seems like to me, you can do this within three hours of Austin, four or five hours of Austin. Why doesn't that matter more for Texas? Well, I think it's obvious it does. You know, you go back to that, you know, just the lifestyle of a coach, too. I mean, I have young children and you know, to miss everything because you're, like you said, you're at Notre Dame, you're at Seattle, Los Angeles, Dallas, Texas, New Jersey, Fort Lauderdale, Memphis, and Texas or, or Florida used to put a five hour radius around Gainesville, Florida, and you could fill your team with players. Alabama is the same. Yeah. Alabama, you don't have enough players in Alabama to win a national title, but uh, with the reputation and within a, I'll tell you within an hour plane ride, uh, you have enough players to win a national title. He's done it. You know, he, they, they cherry-pick a little bit, a little bit like we did in Columbus. You know, Columbus, we we dipped into Texas. We dipped into Florida, obviously, and, and we Georgia was a big area for us as well, North Carolina. So we would dip in. Uh, but Texas, I'm telling you, you could – Dallas, Texas, and Houston, Texas are as good a high school football as I've ever experienced. I used to love when – I, when I found out we were recruiting J.K. Dobbins or uh, Jeffrey Okuda or Baron Browning, uh, out of Texas, I couldn't wait because usually you got a great kid. You got a kid that came from a high school program with incredible discipline and toughness because the high school coaching down here is as good as there is. And I don't think this is a bold statement. I don't think we ever missed on a player in Texas ever. But should that happen? Should that happen that Ohio State can come in and beat Texas out of a Texas kid? No. No, that should not happen. And there was a day where they wouldn't. And um, Texas is trying to get back to that. And, you know, this guy's doing a really good job. Coach Sark's doing a really good job with that. But then, once again, that's going to be, this is, you know, if, if if two years from now we're having a conversation and Texas has six first-rounders, this is going to be really cool. It's going to be interesting to see, you know, how many championship rings they have by then. If not. What's going to happen tomorrow? What, what do you see happening in this game? Can, can Texas hang in there with Alabama? Well, this is a little uh, interesting. I was talking to uh, Dan Mullen and also uh, some guys on our staff. And when we would play, when, when Dan and I first got to the SEC, I'll never forget the speed and size of the defense line physically took your breath away. My first game in 05 was against Tennessee. And I'm standing on a sideline. I'm seeing these gigantic human beings that run – like receivers, and they're called defense alignment. It's the best, I, I mean, now when you say take your breath away, I remember that going, I couldn't believe what I was watching because I've been in football a long time and the SEC is full of that. So we would, we came up with this theory that we need 10 plays on our play sheet where you don't block the D-line. Think about what I just said, 10 plays where don't block 
So tomorrow on Big Noon, we're going to talk about what those 10 plays are. And when you play a team you're better than, you don't worry about it. But when you're playing in Alabama, and Sarkeesian, by the way, is very good at this. He has – I'm going to show him tomorrow on Big Noon, but he has a – he's a – he's as good a play caller. I think him and Ryan Day are the two best play callers in, uh, in college football. And he knows that. If they play traditional football against Alabama, this will be over fast. Fast. And, you're, and I'm not sure your quarterback will finish the game. If they do what he's great at, uh, Sarkeesian, he does a – you know, you go watch when he played Ohio State in that national championship game. Of his first 25 plays, it was all the, that was those type of plays. Take the defensive line out of the game. Give me an example. How do you do that? Screen. Um Shovel pass, um, naked boot, you know, where the quarterback boots out, just run away from the defense line. Play the game out here as opposed to you, you. If you drop back to pass against Will Anderson and that defensive front and and basically, I'm going to do this again tomorrow, but when an offensive lineman pass sets, you're telling the defensive lineman, ready, set, go. It's a sprint to the quarterback. When you come off and you block a defensive lineman, he has to play run first. So his hands are down, he's fit into the block, and one of the most difficult things for a defense alignment to do is transition from run to pass. And that's what this entire game has to be like that. Or, or you got, if they say ready, set, go with those guys, once again, this is this one's gonna be over quick. But I, I don't text the coaches are too smart. They're gonna they're gonna come up with a scheme to stay away from this defensive front. Well, you mentioned Ryan Day as a play caller, and you mentioned uh, Steve Sarkeesian. Define in your mind what a great play caller. What does that mean? It's off balance. You know, they they stay on schedule. So, uh, and once again, this is all, you know, who you play. You know, Texas played a team last week. Shoot. Um, They played last week, and that's not how you evaluate a play caller. I went back with Sarkeesian and watched LSU, Georgia, Florida back in 2020. And I, I was, I loved watching. I, I just I was like, man, what a great call here. You know, just completely keeping guys off balance, not let their best players take you out of the game. And how do you do that? You know, that's, that's what I think Ryan Day and, and Sarkeesian, the other guys, Munkin, Coach Munkin at Georgia, I watched, he's a little undervalued right now. I watched the way Georgia's playing right now. I think those are, you know, I, I have time now, so I sat and watched a ton of uh, offensive film uh, over the last few days, and those are great play calling. When, when you see a kid like Will Anderson, and he can disrupt the whole thing, man. I, I went to the Alabama-Tennessee game. I didn't know one player last year. Lee and I went down there with my daughter. I'd never been to an SEC game uh, like that. And all of a sudden, I'm like, whoa, who is this guy, right? I mean – how big an impact can a guy like Will Anderson have in a game like tomorrow? Or should he? If I'm if I'm Texas, how much am I doing to make damn sure that he doesn't have an impact? Well, that's when I when we had Nick Bosa, I compare him to Nick Bosa. The greatest thing for Nick Bosa is when we recruited a guy named Chase Young and put him on the other side. And you know, it's no you know, in your in your world basketball, you can probably take away one player. You can't take away two. In the game of football, you certainly, and, and Alabama's got more than just Will Anderson. The thing I understand about Will, and I've done a little research on this, is he's the alpha personality on defense, too. He plays 
at such a relentless standard that if others don't play to his standard, he's not, I used to talk to Michael Jordan. He does the Michael Jordan. That's not only play well yourself, but make those. Tebow was the best at it. He would raise the level of play around him. And that that's what I understand this Will Anderson's all about. Yeah, he's talented. He's great. But I got news. There's a lot of talented, great players. He uh, he raises the level of those around him. He sets the standard and demands other. Think about that. I love this term or this just leadership. He, de- he sets a standard, demands those around him live up to that standard. When you have that, I mean, that's, that's, that's a dream as a coach. Let me jump off of that um, and talk about last week real quick with the Ohio State Notre Dame. You know, you've watched, obviously, a lot of Alabama. People talking about Ohio State, Alabama. I personally watched, and I don't know nothing, but I know this, Georgia is damn good. I mean, really good. But what did you see out of both Ohio State and Notre Dame last week? I saw Ohio State had to uh, – they got punched in the face a little bit. You know, there, it, was a, it was a – that was two big boys playing each other. You know, I think – I still don't know how good Notre Dame is with a new quarterback. And, you know, they're talented. But I thought Freeman, uh, Coach Freeman, Marcus Freeman, did a heck of a job coming into an unbelievable environment. But I, I, I talked talk to Coach Day about this. That's exactly what the program needed. They needed to run the ball. The offensive line had to go win the game, and they did, against a very talented defensive line at uh, Notre Dame. So I think those are two top ten teams. Uh, how Notre Dame develops an offense the next few weeks will determine if they remain in the top ten. But I think Ohio State – to go out there and, you know, everybody picked them by 17 or some crazy number. If that would have been an easy game, that's not good for the organization right now. They need to, they need to fight because the next few weeks they're not going to fight. And they're going to have a couple coming down the road, Wisconsin, Iowa, Michigan State, Penn State, and uh, the Wolverines coming down. You know, and I would always be concerned about that. What's going to happen in the middle of third quarter when, when you are getting punched in the face a little bit? Did it? You said the program needed it. Um, I, I always said this about my college coach, Bob Knight. One of the best things that he did, probably the best thing that he did, was make sure that you did not buy what was being said on campus or by your parents. You know, Indiana, you're the greatest when you win a game. Ohio State, the fan base is the greatest. Um is that what you mean? Because the hype for Ohio State, particularly the hype for that game, as you mentioned, it was actually at 20 at one point they were going to win the game. Is that what you're talking about, that they needed this to not only fight through a victory but kind of get grounded a little bit? Yeah, I would always, because I lived in that world of Florida and Ohio State, and I would always, you know, you got to be careful nowadays. You just don't practice. We used to practice really hard. So I would say when I saw that kind of stuff going on, I would try to make our Tuesdays and Wednesdays uh, as hard as you possibly could. So the focus of the player was to get through practice on Tuesday. And that's it. You know, if, if it's an easy practice or screwing around and all that kind of stuff, yeah, that's when they're checking their phones. That's when they start listening to things. And a team is such a fragile. Nick Saban probably does as well as anybody. And that's what I mean by with Ryan Day. It's last year, you know, they lose to the Wolverines. They lose to Oregon. And you can't, you know, that's some, you, you win the, how about that? You win the Rose Bowl, go, what were they, 12 and 2 or something like that? That's a bad year. It's not a bad year, but how do you get a team prepared for those tough moments and keep the noise out? I would always say Tuesday, and I would even tell the team, I said, this, get ready for Tuesday is going to be about the most difficult practice you've ever had. 
Now, was it? I don't know, but I wanted her mind on, I have to finish this, I have to have a good day today. If you're doing that, as a, to me as a leader, you're doing a good job. Hey, last thing before I let you go, and this has been great. You know, people want to talk about, well, you know, Texas has something to prove. I want to go back to this game. You know, it's in Texas. How long in football does, because in basketball, it can last a while. It, it, home crowd, you know, all the ancillary stuff, you, it can last a little bit. It, it can last over a half in a game, really. How long does ancillary stuff, you know, the pride of Texas, we're, we're, we're reading all this stuff. How long does that last in a football game of this magnitude for, for a team like Texas? So I'm going to give you the Lou Holtz answer. So I would always ask questions to Coach Holtz, and he would always shoot right back at me. Well, it depends what kind of team. You know, you know a team is a living organism. So yeah. your question to me, for a very young, insecure team, it could last a while. And I've had those kind of teams. I mean, you could lose a game because of that. And we have. You can have that mature team of grown-ass men that it's never an issue. You know, JT Barrett was my quarterback. I had Nick Bosa, Joe Bosa, you know, Zeke. There was nothing to it. You know, we, I mean, sure, there's a little bit of a crowd and a little more, more issues with like the cadence, not the intimidation factor. But then you wake up one day and those guys aren't on your team and you go in an environment like that. Sometimes you never get out of it. And that's happened too. So I, I don't, I think this is a mature team. You know, they got the Heisman Trophy winner at quarterback. They got this monster defensive end, outside linebacker. You know, they've been in big games for. I don't see that being a difference maker in this game. And I, I bet it's going to be insane here. But that's a mature team. I, I agree. But what, what about from the Texas side of it? You know, Ewers is a guy that everybody loves. I mean, th- th- can this sustain them at all? Does it matter from their side of it, this whole, this whole thing? You guys being there? I, I think so. I think, I think so until if they don't block that defensive front, then. When you're, you know, he's going to be, he's going to be in survival mode. You know, I, I, I do, Dan. I don't want to devalue a crowd because I, you know, we all love that. That's a great part of it. And yes, it matters, but this one, there's so many more things more important than that, and that's the play calling to get away from that defensive front. Yeah, I try to tell people that all the time on this show and other shows. Like, look, yes, it matters, but it really. Like Mike Tyson said it best, everyone's got a plan until they get punched in the face. I mean, it's the best quote in sports. <laughs> I mean, what's absolutely true? Uh, noon to three. What time are we going? Noon to two. What, are you on all day tomorrow? You should be. What do we got? We got 10, 10 a.m. Uh, Reggie Bush, Matt Leiter, Brady Quinn, Rob Stone. We got some great guests. I think Vince Young's going to be on there and some other uh, hierarchy of the Longhorn Nation, uh, it's a beautiful, we're here right now, beautiful place, and I've never seen a game here, so I look forward to it. Appreciate you, man. Thanks. That was a great talk. Thanks for the time, my friend. Thank you. All right, Doc. Love you, brother. Love you. That's the great Urban Meyer. I'm telling you, Big Noon with him is the best you will hear. It is. It's the best. Hey, can we... uh, can we put up that Jalen Ramsey quote about, <laughs> about Josh Allen? Really, Jalen? Uh, I don't care what nobody say. He's trash. 
and it's going to show. That's a stupid draft pick. We played them this year, and I'm excited as hell. Yeah, that was from a few years ago. Look, I've said this before, and I'll say this again. For about five years, I sat behind six rows behind the visitor's bench at Lucas Oil Stadium, and the two guys that I thought were just complete clowns, one was Jalen Ramsey and one was Nick Foles. Uh, I thought Nick Foles was arrogant. I thought he was, I I don't know, I just didn't like him. Sitting behind, now Brady was great with his teammates, guys were great, you know, but it just drove me nuts watching Jalen Ramsey. Now, he was young. Well, I don't know, last night, 26 of 31, 297 yards. Pretty good by Josh Allen. If Josh Allen is trash, there are a lot of teams that want trash. Guys just talk. You know what I mean? Guys just absolutely talk. A guy like Jalen Ramsey talks. He actually wasn't uh, very good uh, in the Super Bowl. Don't tell nobody that. We're all supposed to jump up and down, stand on our head and crap snowballs about Jalen Ramsey, but Jalen Ramsey wasn't very good in the Super Bowl. I don't know what this is, by the way, right there on my shirt. But I'm not changing shirts because I like it. It adds a little personality. But there you go, Jalen Ramsey. And oh, by the way, how about the Cam Akers bet? Holy cow, on DraftKings, I took Cam Akers, my over 12 and a half carries. I just stopped watching. I know he had two for no yards. How about that bet? Sheesh. I got some more for you coming up. I do. I got a lot more uh, coming up for you, and I think you will uh, enjoy them because we're going to win a ton of money this weekend. We are. It's America's greatest football picks, and we're going to lose some. I mean, what do you want me to do? I got a lot of people saying, hey, Cam Akers. Hey, I don't want to hear about it. I don't want to hear about it at all. Big noon kickoff tomorrow, 10 o'clock, Texas and Alabama slam up. One thing I didn't get into with Urban was how good Florida, Florida State and USC are. Don't sleep on the Trojans. Don't sleep on USC. Uh, We got Friday fails. I don't know what this is, but it's going to be good. I can't wait. Our crack staff, no, it's not a staff that's on crack. It's our crack staff. There's a difference. There is. They're going to give you Friday fails. And, oh, by the way, we are going to break down more college football with OutKick's own Trey Wallace. And I've got some really good plays for you. I'm not going to lie. They're right here on this sheet. I think, I know, we lost. I lost two bets yesterday. I'm two and five. Don't bet with me. But I made it up. I took Swiatek over 20 and a half games, nailed that one. And then I took something else. I got to look on my DraftKings app. Sometimes I go to bed when you get older and you forget, right? But a friend of mine told me, hey, Dan, Swiatek isn't serving well. Take the over. And then I watched the end of the tennis match, and it was fabulous. So I took her. I won the over on games. I won Josh Allen over 0.5 interceptions, and then I lost the two bets. We're going to make money. Stay here. We're going to make a ton of money. In fact, hey, Lee, I'm betting too much money on one college football game this weekend, and I'm not even going to watch it. I don't have to watch it. We'll get with that. Friday fails. Tell your friends. 
Keep it here. Let's go, baby. Man, I'm fired up. Sack the hell up and don't go anywhere. Don't at me. We'll be right back after this. Getting ready to take on spring? Make your first move with the reliable performance and power of steel battery tools. From hedge trimmers and mowers to string trimmers and more, right now you can save $50 on select battery tool sets. Real steel. Offer valid on select AK system sets through June 16, 2024. See participating retailer for details. Hey, welcome. Uh, Friday, we're here. I know you missed us on Friday. This is our first Friday, so we had to go with the best guest you could possibly have, and that was the great Urban Meyer, the great best coach I ever saw. And I was with Bobby Knight for years, and I was a hell of a coach, but best coach I ever saw was Urban Meyer. I tried to tell my my people at Indiana, go ahead, man, hire this man, but they had Jerry DiNardo in their sights. Yeah, I don't know what this is on my shoulder, but I ain't mad about it. It won't come off. I don't know, but I don't care. I like it. There, it adds character to the shirt. All right, my boys, Dylan and Ryan, we got some Friday fails for you. You're going to like it. Let's see what we got here, Dylan. Let's go. Oh, this isn't going to end well. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. <laughs> hey, honest to God. Parking brake, dumbass. Oops, I owe a dollar. I'm sorry, Megan. That's one. How about this? I mean, the car's going backwards. Whatever that thing is, I guess it's a Prius. Then the guy forgets to put the tow truck, and then he's trying to push. Lucky he didn't get killed, and down goes the tow truck. Lucky everybody doesn't get killed. Hey, don't be that guy. Holy smokes, did you see that? Don't be that guy. Raise your hand if you've forgotten to take the keys out of the car while it's running. I did. Raise your hand if you forgot, ladies and gentlemen, to put a car in park. I have. But I've never done that, and I never will do that. What else you got for me, big boy? What are we doing? We got glass. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. This ain't going to go good. Oh, who didn't see that coming? All right, I got a couple thoughts on that. I got a couple thoughts on that. Number one, obviously, the whole glass, if it doesn't fit, take it out. You know, the old Johnny Cochran line, if it doesn't fit, you must have quit. Take it out of there. That's number one. Number two, I do not think that there should be cameras in elevators. There's no reason to have a camera. Cameras in bathrooms and elevators should be outlawed. And I'm not sure why elevators. My wife and I have a thing. Every time we get in an elevator, we kiss if we're alone. I give her a smooch. Our theory is no people, nobody ever wants to see old people kiss. 
So I always give her a kiss in an elevator. She gives me, it's just weird. It's us. I'm sorry. They should not be cameras. But look, if it does not fit, you must acquit. If glass does not fit and the level of stupid by letting the door close is off the chain, yo. I like it, though. Seriously, who didn't see that coming? As soon as the glass got in there, you knew. All right, what do you got next, big boy? about it. Nah, I ain't mad about it. You get hammered, you get to the top of the boat, you got your crew running around. You know what I liked about that? He didn't flinch. He didn't, he didn't talk. You know, you can go like that and then you talk and the next thing you know, it doesn't hurt. That dude didn't flinch. That little frat boy stood up in front of all of his peeps. And you know, do you remember the other day? When I told you about the fat white guy in a white shirt at Bass at NBA games that wears a chain and his hat a little crooked that goes, oh, hey, can you play that again? That's all these clowns were doing. They're the little fat guy. Oh, yeah. NBA games, you see him all the time. The fat little white guy, white shirt, chain, hat crooked, trying to be down. You know. Can we play that one more time? All right. Well, listen. Oh, oh, I love the fact that this dude leaned in. I'm sorry, I do. He didn't chicken out. He wasn't a little, you know what? He leaned in with his stomach and he took it like a man. Now he was hurting like crazy. Oh, 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 you know. Next time you go to an NBA game or, or, or a college game, you know, usually the friend of the best player has two little white guys hanging out with them, and they all look the same. They shave their heads, not because they have to, like me, but because they think it makes them look down. They go, oh, every time somebody crosses somebody over, and they run around like idiots with their little gold chain that's worth about six cents and it turn their neck green. They're my favorites. I used to look at them and go, what are you doing? Be people. All right, what else you got? What you got, man? Be people. That's a good way to put it. Oh, oh, shit. Good. Good. Hope you broke your abs. Oh, shit. I'm not swearing. Hope you broke your abs. Why are you jumping on cars? I mean, why are you such a boom, uh, Jack? Mm, I'm not swearing that you feel it's okay to just leap on people's cars that they pay thousands of dollars for. You should fall. I hope you broke your backside. I ain't even mad if you hit your head a little bit. But the dumb, I'm the, I'm trying not to swear here, Meg. I owe you a dollar. Okay, I hope he fell. I hope he broke his rear end. I hope he hurt his back. 
the stupidity. Hey, look, what are we going to do? Oh, I'm going to jump on other people's cars. Now, look, I'm 60 years old. I'm not saying I wouldn't have done that in my 20s at Jackson Heights in Bloomington after a basketball game. I'm not saying I would. But the truth of the matter is, come on, people. What are we doing? Quit jumping on other people's cars. What else we got? I like these. These are good. Oh, man. Oh, boy. Oh, boy. Yeah, who didn't see that coming? The beauty of road racing is when one guy falls, everybody falls. And if you have a friend who wears the tight pants, who is all into it right there, oh, I guarantee he's broken everything. This is the most underrated, dangerous activity in America right there. You see them on Saturdays, at least we do here in Indy. Packs of riders. Everybody's got their little tight shorts on, their helmets, their Chinzano shirts, right? And they're going. And then when you talk to them privately, they're like, yeah, I got two broken hips, a broken arm, I hit my head, blah, blah. It is the most dangerous. I mean, how do I put it? The most underappreciated dangerous sport in America. And I'm not sure there's a second. Everybody knows football is dangerous. Everybody knows that old people going out and playing a sport are going to tear an Achilles. We all know that. But you don't think bicycle riding, particularly when you're all dressed up and all dialed up and you got your water and you got all your energy drink and you got your energy chews and all that stuff, you don't think it's dangerous. I'm here to tell you, it's crazy dangerous. I'm just saying. I'm telling you. Crazy dangerous. Crazy. All right. What else you got? Don't do it. Don't. All right. Let me tell you the most dangerous, unathletic thing on a man's body. You ready? Back fat. When I saw that guy, if we could go it again, if you could show it a few, look at the back fat on that guy. There's no way that guy, look at the back fat. Back fat will get you. I never had back fat until about 10 years ago. Now I got back fat. Back fat will kill you. Look, if you're lean and you got a belly, you can make that jump. But because he's got back fat, because you can't tell the difference between his rear end, waist, and back because of back fat, he's got no chance to explode up, grab on, and go. None. See, I want to draw. I wish I had, like, you know, a telestrator. I would telestrate the back fat from the top of his head where you can barely see his headband To his blue shorts, there is no difference. It's all back fat. Name me a great athlete that has back fat. Name me somebody that can jump that has back fat. No. Back fat will kill you. Back fat is the most underrated kind of fat. We all talk about belly fat. Women want, you know, the flabby arm thing. We worry about, well, you know, my legs are showing some cheese I hear all the time. No, back fat. 
Guys, if you can do one thing, you want to make a bazillion dollars, I'll tell you how to make a bazillion dollars. Set a diet that gets rid of back fat. Soon as I saw him, that's how I look at an athlete. I saw a picture of me one day. It was about four years ago, playing golf. Guy took a picture of me because it was an awkward lie. The club, you know, I was basically above my, and he took a picture of me from the side, and I looked, I go, I got no chance, I got too much back fat. Back fat will kill you. That guy got too much back fat. You know what solves back fat? Riding a bike. That's what I heard. All right, what else you got? Back fat. Oh, oh man. What did I miss? Oh, that came into his eye. Ooh. Whoa. Holy cow. I'm not going to lie. I wear those glasses when I mow grass because I got a lot of rocks here. I'm not going to. And now this is serious. If you're mowing, if you're weed whacking, no matter what you're doing, Wear freaking goggles. I was never a goggle guy. I'm going to show you a picture here on camera. I'm going to show you a picture here, and this is a friend of mine. He tried to tell us initially, because this is what we do as my friend. We tr- he tried to tell us that it was, uh, well, it was a bear that got him. We knew better. Look at this. All right? I don't know if we can see that. Look at that leg right there. I should have sent this to my guys. That's a leg. That is whipped by a freaking uh, weed whacker. You know the rope on a weed whacker? Let me see if this way does it better. Look at that thing. That's the dude's leg, my buddy Mike Paulson. So he came to my house. He's got that. I go, MP, what happened to your leg? Oh, man, a bear got me. I go, bear didn't get you. No bear that got you. I go, what happened? I go, that looks like a weed whacker. He goes, it was. I go, why didn't you just throw it? He goes, I don't know. It hit me 10 times. Pants, <laughs> pants, and goggles. I'll tell you a story. What would you do in this situation? About three New Year's Eves ago, Lee and I, we go out. We go to a movie. Then we go to a bar. We have a nice little dinner. I don't drink because I'm driving. And one thing I understand is on New Year's Eve, you don't want to drink and drive. So I didn't, and we were early. It was like 10 o'clock when we got home. So we get home, we're drinking a little wine, having a nice evening. And then I heard boom, boom, right up here above me, two, I thought they were small trees, fell, boom, both of them, like at once, on our railing. Now, I got to tell you, whoever built our railing was unbelievable. But I'm about two or three glasses in, right? And I'm going to cut the trees. It's about midnight now. I'm at my house. I go get my chainsaw. My wife looks at me like idiot, having drinks, wine, with a chainsaw, bad business. You know what I said? Of course I can do it. Leave me alone. Ah. Uh, Yeah, the gods were with me because the chainsaw broke. It came off of the thing, and it ended my little, not drunk, but half, you know, 
three glasses of wine. Never chainsaw with a glass of wine. Never, ever. <laughs> Respect equipment is what I would say. How about that, dude? He caught it right in the eye. What else you got? Got any more? That was, I think it was the last one. That's pretty good. How about that? Can you imagine if that thing gets stuck in your eye? That thing was strong enough that, man, woo, woo. All right, let's go through some headlines before I get to Trey Wallace. We talked last night, or we kind of, sort of talked about the Rams game. Now, look, full disclosure, I took Cam Akers. And in taking Cam Akers over 12, it was a train wreck. Dude didn't even play. In fact, I got home last night. I don't know if you guys ever do this, but I was watching the game. I wasn't paying attention. A couple people came over, so I turned the volume down as the game was starting. And I saw a running back get the ball three times, and I thought, great. Cam Akers is rocking and rolling. Well, it turned out, guess what? It was Henderson, not Akers. And then I'm looking and I'm going, wait a second. What happened to my man Akers? You know what happened to my man Akers? He didn't even play. He did not even play, which was bad news for the bet. But ladies and gentlemen, ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, guess what? Guess what? I played against him in fantasy. Yeah. And I never played fantasy football before. But I had Cooper Cup. I did. I had Cooper Cup, and he had Cam Akers and Matthew Stafford. Who do you think won last night? This guy. So while Akers, you know what, in the bed, and we all know he, you know what, in the bed, because he didn't play, so he must have been awful. And when I saw him run one time, I thought he was too slow to get through the hole. It hurt me in a bet but it helped me in fantasy. That might be the last time I ever talk about fantasy. Uh, the queen is dead. Long live the king. We should have talked about this. 96 years old. Queen Elizabeth II passed away. There are no sports in the UK. The Premier League has been cut down, uh, canceled for the weekend, 10 games. Look, I don't necessarily understand the monarchy in England, but I will tell you this. I had the opportunity to go to England, to go to London. Um, I went, took my daughter, my wife, my stepdaughter. We all went for the Colts-Jaguar game a few years ago, and I got to tell you, man, there's something about the monarchy that's really cool. There is. I, I, I get it. I know it's kind of, uh, you know, soulless. I know that it's feckless. I know there isn't a lot to it. Uh, I know that it doesn't have uh, the power maybe that it once had, but there is something very cool about the reverence that folks in England have for the monarchy. And there is something very cool about going to Buckingham Palace, seeing the changing of the guard. Uh, it, there just is. And I've told you this before, and I'll tell you this again. I am one of those people that when I go to a place... I'll get on a tour bus. I'll take a tour. I know what I don't know. So I'm not afraid to go on a tour of New York City or Puerto Rico, which I've always done, uh, Buckingham Palace. And I just think it's cool. So whether you agree, you disagree, uh, whatever. 
the monarchy, the pageantry, the rever the reverence, the respect. I don't know. It's something I don't understand, but it's something that I enjoy. So Queen Elizabeth II, uh, what a tough, great life. That's hard, right? Like 96 years old. Got to be hard being all that prim and proper. Got to be hard being perfect all the time. Got to be hard. Everything you do is scandalous. It can't wait. We've seen what's happened with Prince Philip and his association with Jeffrey Epstein. But I got to tell you, man, there's something about it I like. Long live the king. Uh, rest in peace, the queen. Kind of how I look at it. I don't know. Maybe you guys look at it differently. But to me, I think it's pretty cool. Also... Uh, I must say that I'm starting to get into the Premier League. I'm not proud of this. Uh, I'm not proud of this at all. But I will say this. If you all have any Premier League bets, obviously not now. But if you do, send them to me anytime on Twitter at Dan Dockage. Uh, my Super Bowl pick, this is going to sound stupid based on last night. But I can't go with Tom Brady, so I'm going with the Rams. And the Chiefs, one of the things that I find interesting about the Chiefs is how many people this year, this offseason, have disparaged, disparaged Patrick Mahomes. I mean, Patrick Mahomes has taken more criticism this year, this offseason, than he has in his entire career. And I don't understand it. Patrick Mahomes is great. You can say whatever you'd like. You can do whatever you want to do. But Patrick Mahomes makes teams better. He's a Steph Curry of the NFL. He's just must-see TV. He makes everyone around him great. He kind of looks like everybody else. Unlike Steph Curry, though Patrick Mahomes' brother is not on the same level uh, of Steph Curry's brother, who is also uh, in the NBA. But I got to tell you, I like the Chiefs. I like the Chiefs a lot, and I like the Rams. Even though last night didn't go well, and I got to tell you, I thought Matthew Stafford was horrendous last night. But the interesting thing about last night is Von Miller had three sacks and the, uh, the Bills had seven sacks total. The interesting thing about last night was I'm sitting there and I'm yelling at my TV, throw the ball, Stafford. And then I realized, wait, life comes at you fast in the pocket, does it not? Life comes at you really fast in the pocket. So I'm thinking you can sit there and just throw it away as he's got Von Miller, Milano, and others chasing him down or not chasing him down, smashing the pocket and crushing him. But I'm going to take the Rams. I believe in Sean McVay because guys that I respect in the NFL, not writers, not those clowns, I'm talking about personnel people, have immense respect for Sean McVay, and I think they'll figure it out. I think this about the Rams. I think they will do whatever is necessary to bring whomever they have to, OBJ, Von Miller, our examples, to get it done in the NFC. And again, as I said, look, you can look at the AFC, and there's a lot of good teams, and certainly the Buffalo Bills are one. But I'm going to take the Chiefs. I'm not going to take Cincinnati. My second team would be the Bills. I thought the Bills looked great. I thought that the first drive of the season by the Bills, uh, mark this down. This will be said about week 10. You know, the best drive we had all year was the first drive of the year. I'm telling you it will. I'm telling you. So that's my Super Bowl pick. Mad, glad, angry, or sad. All right. I know we nitpick in the world of NFL football, but is it a big deal that Trey Lance is not considered or wasn't voted a captain of the San Francisco 49ers. He wasn't. What NFL teams do is they put, they put it up to vote. Trey Lance, who's in his first year, wasn't voted a captain. He shouldn't be voted a captain. If Trey Lance is voted a captain, 
then Trey Lance, Trey Lance has to, well, you got to look at the other guys on the team and say, what have you been doing? Like, why aren't you, you've been here forever. Trey Lance is just getting started. You're not automatically a leader just because it says quarterback on you. In certain ways, I guess you are, but you're not a total team leader. He's got to prove himself. Locker rooms are great places. Locker rooms are honest places. Locker rooms are the best places because they're real, man. If you're not any good, the locker room don't lie. If you're really good, the locker room don't lie. Trey Lance hasn't earned the right to be a captain. The heck's he done? And done nothing other than be a draft pick. Heck, I bet a lot of guys on the team never even met Trey Lance. Why would you? So not being a captain makes headlines. Headlines sell. But I'll tell you this right now. Him not being a captain is no big deal. The problem would be this. The problem would be, is Trey Lance a captain by midseason? Not in the whole, hey, look, uh, we voted you captain. But is he considered a captain in the locker room? And only folks in that locker room are going to know. Media can say what they want. They don't know. The locker room knows, baby. If Trey Lance is a captain by, let's just say, week five, Maybe even after week one, they go to the Bears. You're going to be in Soldier Field if you lead the 49ers and lead them in the right way and play well, then you may be the captain after week one, at least inside the locker room. Man, locker room dynamics are awesome. They are. They're they're awesome. There's nothing better. Race don't matter. Religion don't matter. What matters is how you work how you play, and I got the order backwards. Best compliment I ever got as a player. Bob Knight, my freshman year, said, why do you practice so lousy and play so well in the games? I go, coach, I don't know. I never had to practice hard. A lot of guys can practice. Three o'clock hitters, we call them. We'll see what Trey Lance is going to do. Yes, I know it's stupid to bet against the Rams, particularly after what happened yesterday. I do. I totally get it. But, but, that's my pick, and I'm sticking with it. No, it's hard to bet against the Bills. It's hard to bet against the Bills. Did you see this? Did you see that in Chicago, they're basically, basically letting every single criminal go? It's unbelievable what's going to happen here. World is crazy. I've never gotten a gun before. Never. I I do now. I mean, if we're just going to let murderers and kidnappers and all the other folks, if we're just going to let them go, then I for damn sure am going to protect myself and my family. I'm sorry. I've been anti-gun. I've been scared of guns my whole life. But apparently we're just going to let criminals go in Chicago and other places. Mm. All right. When we come back, let's talk some college football. Trey Wallace from OutKick is going to join us. We'll see how his fantasy team's doing. Mine? What has two thumbs in his kicking backside? This guy, that's right, Trey Wallace. We're going to talk about the big games. Everybody, look, you got to understand something about OutKick. Everybody lives in Tennessee. Everybody lives in Nashville. Hey, man, we got the Vols. And Vols are playing good. Josh Heupel is going to lead us back to where Phil Fulmer did. All right. Okay. 
Uh, yeah. Florida, Kentucky, who you like it? Pittsburgh, Tennessee, who you like it? Tennessee, Alabama, I know who I'm liking. I'm not big on Quinn Ewers. We're going to talk to Trey Wallace and see what he thinks about this weekend slate. It's not a great slate. Indiana plays Idaho as the road to the college football starts immediately. Started last week. All right, we'll be right back. Outkick's own Trey Wallace next. That's it. I got to take a break. We'll be right back with more on Don't At Me across the Outkick network. What's up, everyone? It's Nick Wright, and I got something exciting to talk to you about today. Angie, your ultimate destination for getting all your jobs done well. Now, Angie isn't just your average home services marketplace. It's a game changer with over 150 million homeowners served and a network of over 200,000 skilled pros. Angie has experience and expertise to tackle any project with ease. Whether you're looking to spruce up your backyard or undergo a major home renovation, Angie's got your back. And their pros are locally based, often running small businesses right in your community. And here's the best part. Angie makes the process seamless. From researching and comparing pros to scheduling services at your convenience, Angie's user-friendly platform puts you in control. So why settle for anything less than perfection when it comes to your home? With Angie, you can trust every project will be completed with the utmost care and professionalism. So get started at Angie.com. That's A-N-G-I or download the app today to discover why homeowners across the nation are turning to Angie to get all their jobs done well. You want football? I got football. I got the best. We don't mess around here with guests. Urban Meyer earlier, great conversation on what's wrong with Texas, and it includes, man, I did not know this. Did you know this, Trey? Uh, Urban and I were talking off air this morning, and I started looking this up. In 2021, Alabama had six first-round picks. In 2022, Alabama had two first-round picks. Since 2012, Texas total has had two first-round picks. Total. Malcolm Brown and I forget the other guy, uh, a cornerback. Two in like 12 years that's why Alabama's good and Texas has been middling, right? Yeah, I mean, that's, that's a pretty disgusting stat, to be honest with you. <laughs> I mean, <laughs> right. I mean you, you look, I mean, you, you think Texas, you think talented players in the state, honestly. Like, you, do, you think NFL draft. You think they'd be able to produce. And it's crazy. You know, it, it it blows my mind, you know, thinking about it sometimes, how far, like, Texas fell off, you know, and then trying to get back on track with now with Sarkeesian and, 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 and what they're doing in the game, like the game this weekend. But, like, you know, it just, you know, even, you know, everybody remembers that Colt McCoy game, you know, where he, where he hurt his shoulder and they were going up against Alabama and they probably had the better team. But ever since then, man, it has been – just a rude awakening every season for Texas. And you know what's going to be interesting is we're two years away from them joining the Southeastern Conference. And I don't know how that's going to play out for them because if they thought it was tough in the Big 12, and I'm not taking away from the Big 12 because there's some solid teams, but 
every week is going to be a battle. There's no gimmies in there. I mean, you could say Vanderbilt, whatever, but in my opinion, just going to be a struggle, you know, at first. And so get your talent ready now, Sarkeesian, um, because, you know, everything's changing. College football is changing. So, yeah, good stat by Urban. I, it was unbelievable when we got talking about it. I mean, it, it really was. And when you look, um, you can say that things don't matter, and and that's fine, but players matter. You know, to your point about the Southeastern Conference, Urban also said this. He goes, Dan, he goes, I got to tell you, I've been some places, Notre Dame, Utah, but as soon as I looked at these defensive linemen in Florida, it was incredible in the Southeastern Conference. So at the end of the day, uh, it's just different. Let me go to a couple games and let me stay in this. Thank you, Lee. In the Southeastern Conference, Florida looked, I think, good at the end, certainly. How good are they? How good is Kentucky? Because this is a big one. It, it's massive in Gainesville. The game, look, Kentucky getting off the plane today in Gainesville. It, it, it look, it's going to be, it's big because Kentucky's most likely going to be without their their starting running back again, Chris Rodriguez. Uh, they lost their technically now their second string running back to a torn ACL. Um, but look, let's start at Florida. Florida to me showed flashes last weekend that they were bought in to to what Billy Napier is doing right now. Um, that. They were willing to die on that field for Billy Napier. It seems like he's changed the culture pretty quick, um, you know, from, from the previous regime. I think that, you know, they've got talent. They got talent along the defensive line. They got some skilled playmakers, and they got Anthony Richardson at quarterback. And we all saw him last weekend and what he did. My biggest thing is, is their depth, Dan. Um, you know, if they get to, you know, that second, third string, I think that's where they fall off. Um, so to me, that game Saturday night is so massive because first of all, it's a division game, but second of all, you know, it, it's the first conference game for both teams and Kentucky beat Florida last year. And the last time they won in the swamp was 2018. I just, Kentucky's got Will Levis at quarterback who everybody loves. If you look around the NFL draft boards and I look I'm not an NFL expert, I'm not a quarterback expert. But Will Levis reminds me um, of kind of like Tim Tebow in a sense, where he's going to put his shoulder down and run over you. And he can also sling the football. Now, I'm not saying he's Tim Tebow or whatnot, but he reminds me the way that he plays. They're going to rely on him Saturday night, man. And if he can't get it done through the air, it could be an interesting night for Kentucky because – they don't have their star running back, man. They don't have a backup. They're rolling with the third and the fourth string pretty much after, you know, Cavassier Smoke, who is a, a, a talented back. He's no Chris Rodriguez, man. That game Saturday night is going to be lit. It's sold out in Gainesville. Um, you know, you, you look at what we saw last weekend against Utah. I'm excited for that one. I mean, it, it's going to be a fun one. I think, you know, it's crazy to say this early in the season, but that kind of sets up things to see where we go the rest of the way in the in the Eastern Division. Yeah, and you know what? Kentucky's never won squad in football, but I have always said the difference between a basketball school like Indiana 
and a basketball school like Kentucky is Kentucky gets about 60,000 every night. We're lucky at Indiana if we get 20. But I will say this, Trey. Kentucky fans are cocky, arrogant about this football season. And I got to tell you, I like it. You might as well be. I don't know. You tell me. Should they be? They are, though. You can't tell me they're not cocky and arrogant about this football season. Expectations are high, Dan, and it's because of what Mark Stoops did last season at Kentucky. Like, like, I don't, I don't see a reason why expectations at Kentucky shouldn't be where they are. Shouldn't be. Okay, let's go win 10 games. They've got enough on their roster. They really do. Um, and if you're going to build a culture of winning, and you're going to build a program where you're selling out games and you want people to show up for the, the crappy opponents, you've got to set the expectations of where they are and you have to go out there and you have to prove it. And, and I think that, you know what, Kentucky, they have dug themselves out of a hole in the SEC to at least make them a team that people are scared of every weekend. And I think that's the biggest component when it comes to Kentucky football. We know what Kentucky basketball has. But for Mark Stoops to be able to get folks excited about football season, and, and by the way, stay excited in the middle of October when college basketball, when the Wildcats are practicing with Calipari, right. keeping those fans engaged is the big thing that he has accomplished at Kentucky and, and, and even with the wins. So I applaud Mark Stoops. I think he's done a really good job. My biggest thing is, can he actually take the next step there, you know, and get to Atlanta and play for an SEC championship? It's going to be tough, but man, you know what? You keep winning 10 games, you keep fighting every weekend. Anything can happen, man. I agree. Look, I, I'm with you on that. It is the next step. Uh, and, and, and we shall see. Speaking of next steps, like, as you know, everybody in OutKick is t- I got to hear about the Vols. I got... All right. So they have Pittsburgh. Um, I don't know. Pittsburgh seems like a really good team. It's a matchup of top 25. Is it a next step for Tennessee to beat Pittsburgh this weekend, or does any of this not matter when you're in the SEC? The only steps are taken in the SEC. No, 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 no. This is a game I hate to use a must-win game in week two of the college football season. But if Tennessee is going to continue building momentum within their program and heading into that Florida game in two weeks in Knoxville, you got to beat Pittsburgh on Saturday. You know, and and it look, it's all about, and I'll say it again, it's about building internal momentum. Within the program, it's all about, you know, ticket sales. It's all about Josh Heupel, you know, people and fans thinking that he is the guy that can keep them on track. I look at that game this weekend, and it's been circled for a while because, I look, Pittsburgh is a darn strong football team, and I'm using my words nicely. We all watched that West Virginia game last weekend, and I personally think that you know, this is a game that's going to go to the fourth quarter, but Tennessee, I think they have enough on offense to pull away there at the end. But it wouldn't surprise me if Pittsburgh's defensive line comes out and, you know, tries to contain Hendon Hooker, who's a really good quarterback. To me, though, if we're just talking about broad scope of things, 
Tennessee better go to Pittsburgh and win. Because if you here, here's your equation. If you go up there and you lose, you got to come back home. You got to play a team like Akron next weekend, where you might get 70,000 people to show up. And then you got to play the Florida Gators the next weekend at home, a team that they have not had much success with at all over the past 18, 19 years, Dan. So, yeah, you're going to Pittsburgh. Tennessee needs to handle business. And if that means winning by a field goal at the end, it doesn't matter. You better get out of there with a win if we're trying to, you know, if we're trying to, if, if Tennessee is trying to get us to buy in to their program and think that they are making the right moves and the strides, go take care of business on Saturday. I totally agree. Like, I, I, it, you know, you're talking like a coach because one of the things that, well, I, coaches understand is the word momentum in your program. And you have certain games. That's why Purdue made such a big deal about their opener against Penn State because, you know what, it was Thursday, national TV, and now they're going to play Indiana State. You know what I mean? And then they're going to play Florida Atlantic, and nobody cares. So the next time you have the opportunity to build that momentum, like I would say this, would you agree with this? Alabama has perpetual momentum, okay? Take them out of it. But it is, and I'm being literal here, dark ages to greatness if Tennessee, or excuse me, if Texas can win on Saturday in terms of momentum for Texas's program. It's literally that wide, Trey, right? We are sitting at a spot on Friday, and we're uh, we're almost 24 hours to kick off in Austin, Texas, and they are a 20-point underdog to a visiting Alabama team. If Texas can pull off that win tomorrow, you talk about changing the culture within three and a half hours. Because it happens. And it's not, look, it's not even just the football players. It's the fans. It's the boosters. It's the NIL money. It's anything you can think of. It goes up 10 notches if you somehow beat Alabama. And I'll, I'll give you a game for reference. Last year, Dan Mullen, who's been on your show a good amount of times, he had Alabama up against the ropes early in the season. And they almost pulled out that win. I think this is that type of game that could be, and I'll talk about momentum-wise, if they can finish the job. But to me, man, Dan, it's a tough battle against Alabama because they're so good on defense. Bryce Young is such a, a just, he's a fire starter on offense. You never know what you're going to get. Is he going to run? Is he going to sling it for 60 yards? But I look at this Texas game and, you know, they got it, you know, you, they damn well better feel disrespected if you're a 20-point underdog. And you're playing this game at home, and I just feel like we always – well, we, what do we always hear? We always hear, well, Texas is back. Texas is back. Go If you somehow beat Alabama tomorrow, you can say Texas is back. You got to back that up, though. But you can say, okay, we are going in the right direction as a program – leading into our change of conference in two years and whatnot, and Steve Sarkeesian is going to be the guy. But if you come in there and Alabama beats you 38-7 to or something along those lines, 
just demoralizing for the program. So tomorrow is all about hanging around, see if you can get it to the fourth quarter and try to pull something off. If you can't and it's ugly, Texas football. People are dying. I, I, and and, and you, you said it absolutely right because this is a new era. Um, you Could you imagine – how do I put this? When you, when you play well and you lose, people go, oh, man, great job, blah, 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 blah. Okay, great. But when you win, it is, oh, my God, it's a thousand times, particularly something like this. And you mentioned the NIL money. I got to imagine that there are Texan boost, Texas boosters with so much freaking money that are sitting there going, yeah, well, uh, I support excellence. This isn't excellent. Until they're excellent, I'm not given. That would open up their wallets, open up their oil money, open up their big old freaking hats, and just boom. Let's. I'm telling you, it's that. And you know this. I'm not telling you. It's that big a game. It is. It's for everything across the entire state. It's that big a game. You win, you win <laughs> that game on Saturday. I promise you, you'll still you'll start seeing nil deals roll out next Wednesday. Uh, with with a, an enormous amount of players, um, and 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 look, it's it's good for the overall health of the program. I mean, that, that's the biggest thing. You need momentum. Um, so winning a game like that on Fox, everybody's going to be watching. The only other game to watch, and by the way, keep this other game on your other TV, which is South Carolina Arkansas, Spencer Rattler versus KJ Jefferson. Put that on your second TV. But if we're sitting there at halftime. And and they're in Austin, Texas, and it's close. Okay, Texas is playing good. Let's see if they can do something the second half. But I promise you, man, if it's thirty-four to seven or thirty-seven fourteen, something like that at halftime, folks are going to tune out. Folks are going to be like, "All right, Texas is not ready for the big stage." And you know what? Maybe that should be as expected as a twenty-point underdog. But we'll find out. That one's going to be an interesting one. All right, I'm saying this. And I don't think I, 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 I'm, a, I'm anxious to see. Uh, I think Marshall's going to play the breaks off Notre Dame. I think Notre Dame looked pretty good. I do. I think they looked pretty good against Ohio State. Pretty good, but they didn't get it done. I think Marcus Freeman did a terrific job getting that team ready. They were hitting hard. It was a grind them out game. I think we're going to find out real fast. If Notre Dame wins this game 47 to nothing, then I, and I know it's just, I know it's in people's minds, it's just Marshall. But one thing I know about Marshall, going back to their days in the MAC, they got guys. They have guys, whether it's fast guys, big guys. I'm not saying they're the SEC, I'm not saying they're Ohio State, but they got guys. I'm saying to you, Trey, Pay attention to Marshall. Not going to win the game, but they're going to play the breaks off Notre Dame. I would pay attention to Marshall the same way that I'm going to pay attention to Appalachian State going to Texas A&M tomorrow. App State lost that close game against North Carolina last week. Um, They've got a good ball team. Um, Marshall, they're known for having a a pretty stellar offense for their conference. So, you know, the – the big thing for me is Marcus Freeman, take care of business in a game that you need to take care of business in. And 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 don't don't sputter. Because if you start to sputter and you win a close game, or let's just say they win about like 14 or something like that, you know people are gonna just start talking. They're gonna be like, Oh, okay, this is a bigger battle than we thought it would be, a more uphill challenge when it comes to Notre Dame getting back to relevance. 
you know, under Marcus Freeman, who I think is going to get the job done at Notre Dame. It's going to take some time, but you got to go take care of business against some of these teams that you would be perceived. Because look, somebody on the West Coast out in LA, if they, you know, they're looking at Marshall and Notre Dame, they're thinking, okay, well, Notre Dame should win by you know, 40 points. Who's Marshall? Marshall is is known around these parts. So I'm just saying Notre Dame needs to take care of business. And I look at that the same way as I look at that again with Jimbo Fisher down there in College Station. Better take care of Appalachian State tomorrow. I I I just I look at that game and I okay, if AM comes out and throws a couple interceptions, you keep App State in it. I'm not saying they're gonna win, but I'm saying watch that line. There's a reason why that line is not like 26 27 so a couple of games where teams should win if they want to keep any type of momentum going but also keep their brands from being embarrassed and i think that happens in two places tomorrow you know south bend and texas a&m college station i agree i look i i I watched a lot of that appalachian state game and frankly the, the Bryce kid, the quarterback, you know, he's been around it. He was at Clemson. He was at Duke. He's not – I mean, I don't know if he's going to be intimidated or not, but I know he's been around it. And I also know this. Mac Brown got lucky as heck that they couldn't co- – thank you, lovely – that they couldn't co- they couldn't complete – have a great day. My wife just brought me a cup of coffee. What a, what a lucky man I am. But very lucky they couldn't complete a two-point conversion. I'm with you on App State. I, look, what – I don't know. I don't know, but I'm with you on that, big boy. I mean, we've seen crazier things happen. Look, I'm not predicting App State to go into College Station and win. I'm just saying they're not going to be intimidated going to College Station. So, you know, I I think, you know, if you're looking for games to watch, you know, later in the afternoon, you know, after the the Texas-Alabama game and Arkansas-South Carolina and um, I think maybe, you know, keep that one up to date. I mean, it's a top-10 team. You want to see how these teams play. So we got some decent games in the Big Ten. Um, you know, we got a we got an eleven o'clock Eastern time kickoff between Mississippi State and Arizona, which is gonna be a fun night staying up till two thirty in the morning to see if that game ends. Uh so it just, you know, it's a it's a big weekend for a number of teams and and it's gonna start in Austin, Texas. We're gonna get a little refuel uh in the afternoon in Pittsburgh. Uh, and then you know what? In my eyes, I'm I'm looking at the nightcapper in Gainesville because, like, they got they got Stanford and USC on prime time on ABC. Like, come on, man! Like, what what are we doing? Like, okay, I know it's at Stanford. I know David Shaw's trying to get his program back to relevancy, but man, if that's all you can do for a prime time game at seven o'clock. Whatever. I guess you're on that Lincoln Riley train. So it is what it is, right? I'm with you on that. I am. Trey, I appreciate you, man. Enjoy the football weekend. Thank you so much for coming on. That was great stuff. Absolutely, brother. Have a great weekend. Enjoy it. And we'll talk soon. That is the great Trey Wallace. Follow him. Go right now. Here, let me let me give you everything you need. You ready? Let me give you everything you need. So here's what you do. You go, you follow OutKick, or you go to at Trey, T-R-E-Y, Wallace, underscore, and that gives you everything you need for football. Oh, man, I got to tell you, I'm with Trey. USC, my man Sean Salisbury, 
former USC quarterback, this is what he's telling me. I was on his show this morning. This is what he's telling me. He goes, Dan, I'm just telling you. Us USC guys with Caleb Williams there, Addison, the wide receiver, we feel like we should be in the college football playoff. That's what Lincoln Riley is there to do. It's exactly what Lincoln Riley is there to do. He's there to get him in the college football playoff. Uh, a lot of you are on my backside, and I'm good with it. I, I'm good. Look, Cam Akers didn't deliver. What do you want me to tell you? The Rams look completely outclassed. They did. They looked outclassed. So those of you that went ahead and took the Rams, I, hey, look, I ain't mad at you. I, I ain't mad at you at all. Not even a little bit. If you took the freaking bills and you want to talk smack, talk smack, but I'm going to win some money this weekend. I am. And one thing that I I don't blame anybody when I make a pick, I don't care who told me to make the pick. I made the pick. So many people of you go, well, Don, can you sign? I got people on my, you know what? I got people, uh, you know, well, you know, Don, it's no, I don't know. No, I don't know. The truth of the matter is Cam Akers didn't play. The truth of the matter is the Rams from the first possession, from the first possession of the season, got their brains beat out. They did. I'm sorry. They did. They got their brains beat out. The first possession by the Bills was as good a possession as you're ever going to see. If I were a football coach, I don't care whether I was a high school or college football coach, I would go back... I would clip that possession and I would study it and say, why were they so successful when the other team had all that time to get ready for us, yet boom, boom, boom. And if you take out kind of a fluky interception, that game would have been over early. All right, coming up, I got bets for you. We're going to win some money. I got old bets. I got new bets. I got a parlay for you that you're going to like. Those of you that live in Nashville, including my beautiful daughter, you're going to like it. Here's what you do. You go to DraftKings. You bet $5. You're going to get $200 in free bets. I want you to think about that. $5 gets you $200 in free bets. We will be right back. We'll be right back. Got to take a short break here. We are rolling with Don't At Me, and you don't want to miss it. Stay tuned. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Uh, look, I don't know why you wouldn't go to DraftKings. Yeah, I, re- I really don't. I don't know why you wouldn't make it your home <laughs> this entire fall. Like, uh, uh, here it is, ladies and gentlemen. All right, I'm a believer in Vanderbilt. I'm sorry, I'm a believer in Vanderbilt. I thought when they went out to Hawaii, now you got to understand something about Hawaii. Hawaii is a 50-point underdog. 50-point underdog to Michigan. Is that unbelievable? Now, why am I talking about Hawaii? Well, because Vanderbilt went out there and beat the brakes off of Hawaii. They scored 60-plus points. 
All right. I like Vanderbilt. I'll take 13 points. Are you kidding me? Look, Dave Clawson is a terrific coach. He is. He's a terrific coach at Wake. He was actually fired uh, as an offensive coordinator, I think, in Tennessee, and then he got resurrected at Bowling Green. I don't know how, but the AD at Bowling Green made a really, really, really smart move. He did. He made a really smart move, and he got Dave Clawson. Now, Wake Forest is coming into, coming into, uh, Nashville, they have 11 starters back. They won 11 games last year. Excuse me. And I want to make sure I have all this thing correct. Here's the deal. You got a kid named Brendan Harris who, after spending four years at Vanderbilt, a safety, transferred, man, to Wake Forest. That hurts. That hurts. Coach Leah at Vanderbilt says they're still on good terms, and I think it's all crazy. Look, to me, I'm not, I'm not having it. I would not be on good terms. If a guy transferred from my program, I just – I know you're not supposed to say that, but I didn't care, man. I, I, I honestly did not care. I didn't. I mean, good, go. You're, go. you're not part of who I am anymore. In fact, I had people mad at me at a wedding when I took two pictures, one of all the players that played for me, including transfers. And then I told the transfers, get the hell out of the picture. Yeah, I know that's wrong. And I know people, well, you can't do that. Shut up. Yeah, I can. And I did. But I like Vanderbilt. I'm all in on the Commodores. Look, they may lose this one. This is the one that I worry about the most. Because if they win Vanderbilt, or at least cover, I'm not not saying they're going to win, but if they come, can you put that back up? I want to make daggone sure you guys get this because this is going to win us some candy. If Vanderbilt wins, I will almost guarantee you that this parlay hits. Now, I'm betting it, and you say to me, Dan, then take Vanderbilt out. Yeah, I probably should. But I like Illinois. I watched Illinois play their first two games. Illinois is a good football team. Illinois got some horrific calls against Indiana. Virginia, go fight, win. Yay, Ra. All right. I'm sure Virginia is good, but Illinois is better. Illinois' running back, Chase Brown, is fantastic. Like, I'm talking about, look, I don't know who makes the NFL. The NFL and the NBA, that's all crazy to me. But I do know this, Chase Brown's going to run for 150. And I do know this, Tommy DeVito, the quarterback at Illinois, is good enough. I'll give the four points. I wish it were three. I always wish it were three or two and a half. But I'll give the four points. Let's put that parlay back up so people, well, quite frankly, can win a bunch of money. But I'll take, and I've watched, and I like the fighting Illini. Look, I'm not the best, greatest Brett Bielema fan in the world. I'm not. He's fine. He got screwed because a picture of him, you know, on vacation went viral and he's got a drink in his hand. Everybody loses their mind. Ah, who cares? But I'll tell you this, I like his team. Four seems like a good number. And then the next one, I've been on this all week. Look, I don't know. Maybe Notre Dame is real. Maybe they are. I I hope they are. This is not a bet based on anything other than this. I personally think, and again, I could be wrong. I thought that Marcus Freeman had Notre Dame playing really well and really hard. I did. I thought they were playing the breaks off of Ohio State. I mean, I felt like he was, whoa. But I also feel like Marcus Freeman 
Doesn't have a handle. He's 0-2 as a Notre Dame coach. Now, you can tell me, well, it's two tough games, and I'll say you're right. Absolutely, you're right. But they got a quarterback in Buckner that's better with his legs than he is with his arm. They are very talented, or they're talented enough. Is there a hangover? You know, Notre Dame folks, it's interesting. Notre Dame folks, the hype train with Coach Freeman is fantastic. I love it, actually. I think it's one of the great things going in sports. I mean, Coach Freeman can do no wrong until he does. Dude hadn't won a game. Has not won a game. Now, I'm not saying you you should win both games. I'm not. But I am saying you got to win something. And I am saying I like me some Marshall. I'm not mad at Marshall. You guys are mad at Marshall. I think Marshall's pretty good. I think Marshall can score some points. I think Marshall's one of those teams that you go, oh, wait a second. 21 points at Notre Dame seems like a lot. Maybe it is. But I'll tell you this. Marshall dropped 55 in their first week. Now, it was Norfolk State, but last I looked, Norfolk State's guys are on scholarship. Marshall, historically, has a fan base that everybody, and I mean everybody in that town, expects to beat Notre Dame. Marshall's fans, when they came into the MAC, they were different. MAC people are like, oh my God, we're just so happy to be here. Marshall's people were like, wait, we got Randy Moss, Chad Pennington, Byron Leftwich. We're going to go out and we're going to kick the living you know what out of somebody. I'm just telling you. You guys can think I'm good, right, wrong, whatever you want. Marshall's got a running back named Ethan Payne. Now, I don't know nothing, but he's a white dude. Who's the last white running back not named Blake Ezor? You guys don't remember Blake Ezor. Blake Ezor was good for Michigan State. He was after Lorenzo White. Lorenzo White was really good. But Blake Ezor killed my beloved Hoosiers every time Blake Ezor played him. And we'd be like, that's the only white running back in the country. Wait, shouldn't we have equity, equality, something? How come we only got one white running back? Well, Ethan Payne is your guy from Polka, West Virginia. True story. You know what Polka, West Virginia, Polka High School, you know what their their nickname is? This is true. It's the Dots. The dude ran for 113 yards on 10 carries, 11 carries. Harry Colombo is the quarterback. It's not really his name, but his name is Henry Colombi. Like, I don't know whether he's any good, and I don't care. He looks good. He looks like one of those guys that you want quarterback in your team. He was 24 of 26. I'm reading this as I'm talking to you. He did get sacked twice. He had a quarterback rating of 163. Why does this set look like you're live from the Happy Hooker Lounge? Yeah, keep them coming. What are you talking about? That was from Tommy. This set is glorious. The Happy Hooker Lounge based out of where? I'm giving you knowledge here. And you guys are talking about the Happy Hooker Lounge? Bah! I like it. I do like it. All right. That I like. Let me also talk about what I like. Yesterday, I gave you a couple of bets, and I like them both. Don't at me. I gave you Iowa. I'm going to take Iowa, Iowa State over 40. And I'm going to do it because you can't be that bad. Ryan, keep them coming, baby. 
Iowa-Iowa State. Now, look, Iowa, arguably the worst team in America offensively last year, last week. Seven points without a touchdown. Seven. Not one, not two, not three, not four, not five, not six, but seven. Two safeties and a field goal. That's horrific. That isn't even, I don't need, I don't, you know, that's like when I was a kid. You know what I'm saying? I, when I was a kid, I used to watch, and Keith Jackson here, here's Johnny Muso running up the middle. Here's Sam Bam Cunningham jumping over the line. It was all run. It was boring. But I'm taking over 40 because what's the right, the great correction. You're going to see the great correction. You're going to see team Iowa State and Iowa flying up and down, going crazy, and it's going to be glorious, and you're going to love it. All right? Let me give you the big money pick. Can we have a drum roll or something? Because this is the one that's going to make us all a ton of green. The big money pick. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't even think that I told Ryan and Dylan that this is the big money pick. I've told you this before. I'll tell you it again. The big money pick either means we're going to have to go door dashing or we're going to pay the mortgage. Door dashing is hard. It's not hard like physically hard, but you make 20 bucks an hour. It's great, but you can't go like 10 hours. No. You go a couple hours, you make 40 bucks, you feel like you're all right. I had to do it last year. The big money pick. This is the lock of the century. Until it's not. But it is. North Carolina. Yep. A guy that I can't criticize more. A guy that I'm so tired of. Mac Brown. North Carolina, for some reason, is at Georgia State. North Carolina is given seven points to Georgia State. Trap game, you say, because North Carolina has to go to Notre Dame? I say no. Why? Not a trap game, Dan. Well, it's not a trap game because North Carolina got lucky to beat Appalachian State. And if you are a true athlete, if you are somebody that is going to make money at a sport, and you play football at North Carolina, then you go to Georgia State, you get up 21 to nothing, you cruise 45 to 10, you get back in the bus or the plane or however the hell you get to Georgia State, and you get ready for Notre Dame. If you're a fraud, and I'm not sure their coach isn't at this point in his career, I'm not sure that Mac Brown isn't just there on a money grab. I'm not saying he is, but I'm not saying he isn't. North Carolina will win this game, and you won't even have to watch. You won't even have to update your phone. I am betting the mortgage slash a month, two months, three months worth of door dashing on North Carolina, and I'm going to give the seven. I'm just telling you. I'm going to give the seven. I'm going to do it happily, and I don't even care. Hey, uh, fellas, can we put that Jalen Ramsey quote back up that I had from earlier today? 
where he calls Josh Allen trash. Josh Allen is trash. What is this about the word trash? I had some clown named Stephen Holder, who's a writer here in Indianapolis. I think he's a cheerleader now, sideline reporter. I don't know what he does for ESPN now, but it isn't anything, like, worthwhile. He called my radio show trash. Your trash radio show. My radio show put kids through Michigan. My radio show led to me having more fun and more success than anything, but little Stevie Holder said it's trash. What is it about the word trash? Let's hear from Jalen Ramsey. I think Allen is trash. Trash? That's making him subhuman. I mean, I can go the route that a lot of you all go. Trash means he's subhuman. Trash means he's not worthy. Did you know that Jalen Ramsey has allowed a deep touchdown in four of the last six games, including the playoffs? Jalen Ramsey's lost a step. He allowed none in the previous six games, 65 games. Who's trash? Did you know Jalen Ramsey last night allowed a perfect passer rating, which is 158.3, as the nearest defender last night against Josh Allen? Who's trash? Jalen Ramsey is a fraud. Jalen Ramsey is full of crap. Jalen Ramsey has always been full of crap. Jalen Ramsey is this, all right? Jalen Ramsey is a guy that saw Deion Sanders become popular and is trying really hard. Well, the beauty of Deion Sanders was he was really good. He was really, 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 really good. Jalen Ramsey is a figment of the media's imagination. We got a media that's afraid to criticize. We got a media that doesn't want to take on Jalen Ramsey because Jalen Ramsey has an account. He's willing to use it. I don't give a rat's ass. When you stinks, you stinks. When you're a loudmouth, Hey, when a team wins the Super Bowl in spite of you, salute. Jalen Ramsey. Perfect. He was perfect against Jalen Ramsey last night. How about that? You fantasy owners, you're going crazy over a couple things. You're going crazy over Allen Robinson. The headline is outkick. Does Matt Stafford hate Allen Robinson? I would argue, does Sean McVay hate Cam Akers? I think maybe he does. I do. I think maybe he does. Well, nobody hates nobody. Let me give you this from a coaching perspective. Nobody hates nobody. No. When you're the quarterback, you're trying to win the game. When you're the coach, you're trying to win the game. I used to tell my players, I used to think, coaches had to like me because I was on their team until I became a coach. And then I'm like, yeah, that guy's a pain. Yeah, I don't, I don't want to be around that guy. Well, but once the game started, I didn't care if you were a pain. I didn't care if I didn't like being around you. I didn't care if your dad or your mom or your aunt or your uncle was a pain in the backside. You know what I wanted to do? Win. So you fantasy owners, get over yourself. Don't worry. Your coach doesn't hate Cam Akers. Cam Akers ran one ball in the first half, and man, did he look slow. Couldn't get through the hole. Just saying. I thought I drafted the fat guy 
in Leonard Fournette. Uh Uh-uh. You guys lost your mind, you fantasy guys, on Cam frickin' Akers. He doesn't dislike anybody. What you do as a coach is you try to win. You try to win, period. You're never not trying to win. Damn, do I got to say it all the time? I hope I don't. I don't want to, but I feel I have to. The number one thing you're trying to do is win, period, period. That's it. That's all. Man, people act like, well, it's per- it's personal to win. All right, let me give you a couple NFL picks. I am taking, and you may not, because if you listen to the media, the Indianapolis Colts are the greatest team in the world every year. Every year we got all these writers. Now, you got to understand the Indiana media. The Indianapolis Star fired every good writer, and they got all these young guys on the cheap. They did. Indianapolis Star, when they had Mark Alicia, Maria Kwiatkowski, and Tim Evans, man, they uncovered the Nasser deal. But dying newspapers, well, they're dying. You're believing, if you go any other way than the Texans plus seven, you're believing media. Colts may win the game. But the Colts haven't done squat in a couple of years. So I'm on the DraftKings app right now, and I'm telling you right now, I am taking right now, there's the app, I'm telling you right now that I am betting on the Texans, and I am giving, or excuse me, I am swallowing up the seven. One thing about the Colts, and again, this is the first game, they usually hit the over. Now, I don't have the numbers on it. But they usually hit the number. They do. The other thing I'm taking today, and I'm going to bet this to six and a half, is I'm going to take the Ravens over the Jets. I think the Ravens over the Jets at six and a half. I don't know why. I don't like seven. I don't like giving seven. I'm not mad at giving six and a half. Here's another one for you. Take a look at. My man Dan McNeil, Danny Mac, came on the show, and he fell in love with Dan Campbell. So he wants to take, and I think I'll join him in this. He wants to take at home the Lions plus four. Now, you got to understand something. The Lions are playing the Eagles. Uh, There are certain quarterbacks that are like off limits to criticism, and Jalen Hurts is one. Carson Wentz, Carson Wentz bent down to tie his shoes, and the media would say Carson Wentz is tying his shoes wrong. We all understand that. But the truth of the matter is Jalen Hurts is middling at best. There's nothing about Jalen Hurts that makes you go out. This guy's great. Dan Campbell, I watched his team. Got to tell you, if the Colts are really good, then Dan Campbell's Detroit Lions are really good. If If the Colts are really bad, then Dan Campbell's Detroit Lions are really bad because watching them for two days go against each other, the ones against the ones offensively and defensively, I got to tell you, they're the same team. There's no big difference. Both got a pretty good running back. Both have a mediocre quarterback. Defenses play hard. There was no difference. So if the Colts are a Super Bowl roster, Dan Campbell's team is a Super Bowl roster, at least what I saw. I'm going to take the Detroit Lions. In fact, that's going to be my big NFL bet. Go to DraftKings and do it right now. My big college bet is North Carolina – Minus seven at Georgia State. 
my big NFL bet, I'm taking the Lions. I'm taking the four points at home. I don't care what you tell me about the Eagles. The Eagles, they're a good team. A.J. Brown is there. Great. Wonderful. Yay, Rock. Go fight win. Did you know that Jalen Hurts tried to recruit A.J. Brown when he was at Alabama? <laughs> Who cares? Make it your big game. Seriously. You can lose all the other games. But the big game on DraftKings for me in football, North Carolina minus seven. They're going to win by 20-plus. That's just giving us money. That's just saying, hey, Dan, we want you to make money. And then the other one, Detroit Lions. Do yourself a favor. Win some money this weekend. Those are two. All you got to do is uh, stay around here. Go to my uh, – We'll go to my Twitter handle, at Dan Dockage, and I'll have it for you. I'll have all kind of bets for you. I will. I promise you. I will. All weekend long. The Cam Akers one didn't work. What are you going to do? Never said I was going undefeated. Currently, I'm 2-5. and five. Tell you this, Frank Wright goes 2-5 and five in Indianapolis. He's going to get fired. Yeah, he is. Better not start out 2-5, and five, some of you guys. All right. End of the week. And by the way, thanks for watching. The YouTube chat's been pumping all day. Urban Meyer was fantastic. We'll retweet the highlights. I owe Meg a dollar because I swore on the show for the first time in two days. But we got to go woke-a-dope. I'm looking at one woke-a-dope right there on my TV. Ryan Clark. Talk about a dope. There's the biggest dope. I don't know this Acho guy. I don't know what he is. He just talks a lot. But that Ryan Clark, that's a dope. Give me a woke dope, big boy. What do you got? Oh, the gift that keeps on giving, baby. There he is. There he is. Jalen Ramsey. Oh, man, this is sad. This is really sad. This is San Francisco. How about that? This could be San Francisco. I don't know if you saw Philadelphia. If this were Chicago, it, this can't be Chicago because you would see people shooting everywhere. It's really sad what's going on in our city. I wonder, at what point do people stand up, real people, professional people, the majority of people, the majority of people go out and work. Not black, white, the majority of people. They go out and work. They go out and earn their living. They're not looking for handouts. They got pride. They got pride in how they dress. They got pride in their lawn. They got pride in everything. At what point are we going to say, hey, look, yeah, I knew that was San Francisco. I thought I also saw one same thing, Philadelphia. At what point are we going to say, look, enough? Enough. You know, I said this earlier, and I don't like it, but I got a gun. I never wanted a gun. When I was a kid, my next-door neighbors, or the, the, the Wellmans that were ne- next-door neighbors, when they moved in, and this is 100 years ago, I can't even remember what I ate yesterday, but I can remember this story. When they moved in, their best friends from where they had lived, the little kid in the house shot the other little kid in the house and killed him because they had a gun in the house. Scared me to death. Never wanted to have guns. But the world now has gone completely insane. We have lawlessness. We have a government that encourages lawlessness. I talked about what's going on in Illinois, and I don't understand it. You rape someone, you go to jail. You kidnap someone, you go to jail. You arm robbery someone, you go to jail. You break into someone's house, you go to jail. Apparently in Illinois, you don't. 
And I don't know why or how we came across this, but in Indianapolis, my city here, the murder rate is off the charts. But the murder rate on people who had committed violent crimes earlier in their criminal career and were let out is staggering. I mean, it is staggering. Prosecutors don't prosecute. Prosecutors are bought and paid for by George Soros, and I don't understand that even a little bit. I honestly don't. Don't people ever look in the mirror? Don't I live my life by the mirror. What's going on in the mirror? I don't do everything perfectly. Nobody does. Last perfect guy got hung on a cross. But I'll tell you this, I know when I screwed up by the mirror. How do you possibly, as a prosecutor, how do you possibly, as a lawmaker, Look real people in the eye, victims in the eye, and allow complete and utter lawlessness. How do you do that? Will somebody please explain that to me? Because it's inexplicable. How do you live with yourself as a prosecutor when you know you're bought and paid for? And you let somebody out, and three days later, they're murdering somebody else. How do you live with yourself? I know I've got Catholic guilt, and it is daunting and haunting. It is unbelievable Catholic guilt. Like every night, if I go to a party or I go somewhere and there's people, I wake up in the middle of the night and wonder, did I do something stupid? It isn't about alcohol. It's about and no matter what. The only thing I don't have guilt about is ripping on the media. No guilt. But I got to tell you, How do you possibly, as a prosecutor, how do you possibly, as a lawmaker, how do these people look themselves in the mirror when somebody that they let free because they are bought and paid for, because they are inept at their job, goes out and murders somebody else? It is unbelievable to me. How do you, as a lawmaker, know that you're passing a bill that really isn't helping anybody? But because it helps you politically, how do you, as a parent, not parent, How do you as a parent, as a dad, not dad, not be a father, not be around? How do you do that? Like, you don't tell me I'm privileged. I'm not privileged. Hell, everything I got is because, well, frankly, a little slot, a little plot of concrete that was not big and long enough to shoot free throws on or wide enough to shoot any outside of three feet. We went to grocery store on Tuesday, excuse me, every two weeks. My parents would get a paycheck, public school teachers. I wasn't privileged at all. I just worked at it. Just worked at it, paid attention. I guess I was privileged because I had two parents. I guess I was privileged because I had a dad that cared. I don't understand people that don't. I'll never understand a father that doesn't father. I'll never understand a mom or a dad who choose to be friends instead of a mom and a dad to a kid. I'll never understand people that rip Tony Dungy for saying exactly what Barack Obama said, that the statistics in terms of arrest and incarceration clearly show the need for fathers. Now, if you think that's sexist, kiss my backside. Care less what you think. We give in to the loudest of mouths. We get into the loudest and the dumbest among us. Screw that. Go be a father today. If you haven't talked to your dad and you're a kid, call him up. If you haven't talked to your son, if you're fighting with your son, stop it. It's stupid. I don't care how old you are. My father passed away, uh, let's see, 2014, eight years ago. I was 52 years old. I was right in the middle of a divorce, and I'm not going to lie to you. I was a bit rudderless. 
I was. My brother even said, damn, dad dying kind of, you lost a little direction. I did. I mean, the combination of being free, being divorced, having a little money, I don't know, man. That really, I always knew the importance of fathers. I always knew the importance of me being there. I was one of those coaches that missed a lot, but not everything. But damn, go be a father this weekend. Quit sitting around being angry at your dad. As a dad, quit sitting around being angry at your kid. Give him a call, take him to lunch, have a beer. Hell, smoke a cigarette. I don't care what you do. But be a damn dad. And anybody that doesn't like this video, I got three words for you. Kiss my backside. See, Meg, I'm getting better. Hey, man, it was a Friday. Thanks for joining us. We're going to have a monster weekend. We are. You can join me, 107.5 The Fan, coming up here at noon. I got to get out to the fairgrounds in Boone County, which is, I don't even know, a couple counties over, for what's called the Hoosier Hardwood Festival. Yeah! It's awesome. If you don't know what it is, I only have a minute left, and I'm not going to try to explain it to you, but I'll tell you this. There are things done with a chainsaw at the Hoosier Hardwood Festival that aren't kind of cool. They are incredibly cool. So enjoy your weekend. We'll be back at it on Monday. Tell your friends, please, that we are here. We are rocking. We are rolling. Ryan and Dylan, thank you for everything. Urban Meyer, Trey Wallace, thank you. Our bets will be up. Let's go. And by the way, this just happened. Dwayne Brown, offensive tackle for the Jets, is out. He is out. Remember, he replaced the first-round pick offensive tackle that – got hurt. So now Dwayne Brown, the replacement is out. I'm telling you, bet against the Jets this weekend. You're welcome. We'll be, we'll be back at it Monday. Thanks everyone.